0: From on multiple occasions, and we've not preached out. There's a lot of preaching to be done in this passage of the Word of the Lord. And I want to begin reading in verse number 11 in Titus chapter 2, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter. The Word of the Lord says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, Let no man despise thee. Look back with us again at verse number 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us while we read the word of the Lord. Now the portion of Scripture that the Lord has directed our hearts to tells us about the time when Paul, the instructor, is writing to Tim or to Titus, the student, and this passage is then a testament to us all. It seems that there is a text in virtually every phrase of these verses, but I'm particularly drawn to the phrase in chapter number two and verse number twelve, where it says these words in this present world in this present world many of those who look to a time when they'll be Christ like in heaven now, I certainly am one of those who look for a day when I'll be like unto him when I'll have a glorified body and I rejoice in that passage in 1 John chapter 3 where it says and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we do know when he shall appear we shall be like unto him for we shall see him as he is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. But many are those who look to a time when they'll be Christ-like in heaven. They will be separate from sin in heaven. They'll be different from the world in heaven. They'll no longer be carnal in heaven. But I'm thankful that while we are yet here, while we are yet in this world, and when we get to that land, friend, there will be a land that's far different than this. But while we are yet here in this world, God's Word tells Tells us that He didn't just save us to prepare us for heaven, but that He's doing a work in us, on us, and through us in this present world. You see, if God had only saved you for heaven, I'm going to say something real blunt, and if it scares you, just sit real still, and the feeling will pass in just a moment. But my friend, if the Lord had saved you just to carry you to heaven, when He saved you, it had just killed you off right then. And took you on to heaven. Amen. But the reason why that He saves us and then gives us breath of life and strength to live is He has a purpose for us in this present world. He wants to do something with us while we are on our way to heaven. And that He saved us while he, we are in this present world. Had to do a work for Him in this present world. And yet we don't lay up our treasures here in this present world. We lay them up in heaven. We're and rust cannot correct. Our thieves cannot break through and steal. But while we're here, there's a labor for us to do. And I'm preaching this morning out of these verses, if you'll follow along with me in your Bibles, on that idea or that concept and that phrase in this present world. I want you to notice, first of all, this morning, the call in this present world in verses 11 and 12. The Bible said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. See him teaching us to deny an ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I appreciate the phrase when the Bible said that the grace to God bringeth salvation hath appeared hath appeared unto all men. That term hath appeared means literally to shine upon. When in the deepest state of being lost, the light of the gospel shined on us. I'm glad I have seen that the light. I saw the light and I'm thankful for that. At 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 said it, that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who have called you out of darkness into His marvelous life. And we've received a call when you dwelt in darkness, when you were in your own sin, when you didn't know the Lord. If you ever been saved by the grace of God, while you dwelt in that world of the darkness of sin, there was a call that went forth from heaven, and He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And when the grace of God has appeared unto us, that is, He has shown His light down upon us. He's brought us into the light of the gospel. And Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 said, The people that walked in darkness have seen. A great light. Have they that dwell in the land the shadow of death upon thee hath the light shine. I'm can say this morning upon me has in the light shine. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He has shined the light in my life. In Him there is light and there is no darkness at all. Matter of fact, there's not even a variableness. There's not even degrees of light with Him. It's pure light. It's absolute light. In Him there is no variableness. Neither saddle of turning. There's there are no shadows. I don't know about how it is with you, but in the last two or three years, I've not just crossed that 40 mark, but in the past two or three years, I've gotten to where a bright lights doesn't bother me and the darkness doesn't bother me, but shadows give me fits. I mean, I'd be standing out in the sunshine and trying to work on something that I need to be able to see and that just because that I'm standing in the way of the sunlight and the light's not shining Directly on what I'm looking at, I can't tell what I'm doing. I cannot work with shadows. Shadows that cast off my vision. That shadows cause me to have a distorted view of things. I drive down the road and the trees are shading across the highway. And then they are, and then they're not, and then they are, and then they're not, and then they are, and then they're not. And And I'm having trouble telling whether that car in front of me is stopping or or going or standing still or what. The shadows give me trouble. But I'm going to tell you, you don't have to worry about that with Jesus. In Him there is light. There's no darkness. There's no bearableness of light. And neither shadow of turning. There's not a shadow. You don't have to worry about any of that with Him. He's consistent. He's pure light. He's absolute light. He's so much light that when we do get to heaven, we won't even need a sun, nor a moon, nor stars. And for God Himself, the Lamb Himself will be the light of that city. Amen. Yeah. Oh, He's perfect light. Hallelujah. Yeah. And He shined the light on those of us yeah. who are saved. He shined the light on our lives. Yeah. <laughs> and to let us see who He is. Yeah. Oh, the grace of God hath appeared to all men. Yeah. While we were yet steeped in our sin and guilt. Yeah. The goodness of God led us to repentance. Yeah. I'm talking about the call in this present world. I'm thankful it is a call of grace. How you see it is grace that appeared when we were under the judgment of God. We were already under condemnation at the Garden of Eden. Since that time, man has lived under the curse. Since the sin of Adam, man has lived under carnal rule. Since the law of Moses, man has lived under condemnation. Oh, but John chapter one and verse sixteen said, "And of His fullness have all we." Received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by the Lord and Jesus Christ. Grace shined on us. We didn't deserve to see the light, but the unmerited favor of the Almighty was given unto us, and He allowed us to see grace. Grace gave me a way out of my sin, grace gave me relief from my guilt. The grace gave me a hold of yonder in heaven. And I'm thankful God didn't let me live through this world stumbling along without understanding my purpose and die without shining the light of grace on my life. That the grace of God which brings us salvation hath appeared, hath shined the light, hath called us out of darkness. Thank God for the call of grace that came in my life. I didn't earn it. It wasn't good enough for me. For I didn't do anything to garner this favor of God. I didn't do good enough works. I didn't do enough religion. I religious matters or religious things. I did not do enough righteous things. But it was grace that came at work in my life. The call of grace. And then I noticed not only was it the call of grace, but it was the call of God. You see, God's the only one that can send forth the call of grace. Because His grace belongs to Him. Amen. The grace of God that breaks how they said. Oh, friend, hey, I try to be a gracious person. I know some of y'all probably find that hard to believe. I try to be a gracious person. I mean, by nature, it's my nature to be a nitpicker. I mean, I'm as good as I can pick nits better than just about anybody you know. It's my nature to be a nitpicker. I mean, I can find the things to pick at. And I try to be a gracious person. But the thing is, I can offer you grace at least as far as the words that I speak I can. I've seen that your tie is crooked and not say anything about it. I can notice that maybe your shirt tail is untouched and not say a word. I might notice that your shoes are not signed like they ought to be. I've not just let that pass. Your car's messy and you don't take care of your automobiles. I might not say nothing about it. Or what you do is your business. I want to say something or I don't say something. Because I give the grace with my speech, but see, there's a certain kind of grace I can't give. At the end of the way, we won't stand before the preacher, or before the church, or before the brethren, or before mom and dad. We won't stand before the judgment of mankind or the rule of uh, my friend. The government will stand before God Himself, and the only one can give us the grace we need. And my friend, to have forgiveness of sins is God. It doesn't belong to the preacher. And it doesn't belong to the church. And it doesn't belong to the president. And it doesn't belong to your family. The only one that holds saving grace is the Lord. And I'm thankful that I've got the call of grace and the call of God. It was not the grace of religion, for religion is cruel and demanding. It was not the grace of the law, for the law shows grace to no man. It was not the grace of men. For men are hypocritical and duplicitous. Yeah. It was not the grace of human government. Yeah. For the governments of the world are inequitable. Yeah. But it was the grace of God that bring us salvation It yeah. has appeared unto us. Yeah. Oh, if you're saved, it's because God called your name. Yeah. And John chapter 10 and verse 3 said, Get him, the porter, open it, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth him out. And when he put it forth his He goeth before them, the sheep follow Him, for they know His voice that are stranger, They will not follow, but we'll flee from Him, for they know not the voice of strangers. It's the grace of God that appeared in us. It's God that called our names. It was God that called me out of darkness into His marvelous light. In this present world, there is a call. The call of grace, the call of God. I want to say then for those of us who are saved, there is a call that's still going forth in this present world. It is a call to godliness. It's a call to separation. It is a call to the purpose of God in our lives. The purpose of the call of the grace of God was to make us like Him in this world. Amen. First John said, As He is, so are we in the world. It's the purpose of God to make us like Him while we're here. To make us Christ-like. To conform us unto the image of His dear Son. It is God's purpose to do this. And He tells us in verse number 12 that this grace then that called us is now teaching us. And it teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, and to live soberly, righteously and godly where? In this present world. While we're yet here, I realize, friend, that as it pertains to our daily practice that we Probably yeah. and we'll find ourselves far more imperfect than what we would desire. Yeah. But I want you to realize this, see, yeah. this morning that God has desired of us yeah. every day to mold us and to make us like him. Yeah. And if you have lost your zeal or your desire yeah. or your hunger to be like Jesus, act like Jesus, yeah. and comport yourself like Jesus, yeah. and to conduct yourself like Jesus. If you've lost that desire, yeah. and you either are not saved, or you are terribly vaccinated and need help from God for your life. If you don't care how you live, it is not an indication that God's grace is present in your life. Amen. Should we sin that grace may abound, or sin that abound grace did much more abound? Should we sin then that grace should abound? God forbid. How shall we, who are dead to sin, live any longer there is? Amen. He's teaching us. Grace is not there to teach us that we can just do whatever we want and say, okay, with God. That is not the teaching of the Scripture. He is teaching us that we are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We're not waiting till we get to heaven to be Christ-like. We're to be Christ-like while we are here. Amen. That's exactly right, friend. We are called to deny ungodliness and to embrace godliness. We are too, he said, to teach us to deny ungodliness in the first part of verse 12 and live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And what God teaches us through grace is to deny ungodliness and to embrace godliness. Amen? I mean, it's just that simple. Amos chapter 5 and verse 15 put it real easy for us. He said, Hate the evil and love the good. You know what a mark of an evil society? is, is when they call good evil and evil good. You know what the mark of a child of God is? They hate the evil and they love the good. Amen. That's right. If you don't have in you a holy hatred for sin, you're never going to make it by trying to live soberly and righteously and godly in this world. Godliness is both the abandonment of worldliness and the embrace of holiness. I wonder, do you have both a negative and a positive post on your battery? Yeah. This afternoon, yeah. and you don't like the preaching against yeah. uh, the refusal of wickedness. Yeah. Why don't we go out there with whichever automobile you are driving? how yeah. hey, y'all probably, after what I said a while ago, don't want me to go look at your automobile. How yeah. can if, for whichever automobile you are driving if we go out there this afternoon? Yeah. And raise the hood up on it yeah. and the disconnect of the yeah. a negative post on your battery? Battery? If we can find it, they're hiding batteries on these cars now. You can't even find them. Here a while back, I had a fellow who wanted to jump one off. We couldn't find the battery. Finally called the dealership. They said it's under the back seat. Who ever heard of putting a battery up under the back seat of an automobile? But that, that's where it was. If we could find the battery and disconnect that negative post, and then say, "All right, get in the car," I put the key in, fired up, and headed to the house. All you need is the power of positive thinking, and that automobile will not fire, and that car won't run, and it cannot get you down the road. There is no power in the positive post without also having a connection on the negative post. And in your life for God, my friend, you'll never have power with God, and you won't make it down the road very far if you don't both refuse ungodliness and embrace holiness. You don't have to have both of them, the positive and the negative, or else there won't be no fire in your life. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter six and verse seventeen. Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be unto a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. the call in this present world is a call to godliness amen, and then secondly, this morning, I want to point out to you in our passage of scripture in this present world, not only is there a call the condition in this present world. We could talk about we could talk at length about the condition of this present world, but that's not really what I want to preach on this morning. The condition of this present world, it is corrupt, it is contemptible, it is chaotic. But while in this present world, His grace has a different purpose for us. And those who are saved have been called by God and we ought to have a different condition while in this present world. Jesus said those that had heard his voice they were ones who were in this world, but they were not of this world. they didn't belong to this world. Do you realize? I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm just living in this world. Which means why I'm here, I'm a stranger. I'm a pilgrim. I'm just passing through. I don't belong here. That's why I'm not laying up treasures here, Brother Bob, because I don't belong here. And you see, my citizenry is not here. Uh, by the way, if you're not a citizen, you have no role or no reason to own property. Amen. And in my me, my titles, yeah. the things that matter to me are not found in this world. Yeah. My treasures are laid up in heaven. Yeah. If you were to sit down this afternoon, if you have yeah. even an ounce of equity about you or spirituality at all, yeah. and write down the five most important things in your life, yeah. not a single one of them would be able yeah. to be purchased with dollars and cents. Amen? Yeah. I mean to have your health and your family yeah. and to have peace of mind have yeah. my friend, to have the capacity and ability to pray and to understand the Word of God. And you could not i my friend, write a check for any of those things. They cannot be bald nor are they sold. My treasures are not in this world. I am in this world, but I am not of this world. And my friend, our condition ought to be different than what this world is. Yes. The world is a mess. It is corrupt. It is contemptible. It is chaotic. But the child of God is supposed to be different than the world. If you have received the call of grace, if you know what it is for God to work in your life, your condition should be one that is pliable. Pliable. And I'm not sure how you spell that. I just know how to say it. I'm not sure if it's P L Y or P L I, but I know what it means. I'm pliable. And our condition ought to be such that it's pliable. Verse. Number 12 tells us this. That grace has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. But then in verse 12, he said he's teaching us. Teaching us, you realize, to teach somebody. They have got to be teachable. There are some people you can't learn nothing. Amen. I mean, you just can't teach them anything at all. They're not teachable. There are some people it is a frustrating exercise to try to teach them anything anything. There are some people it's a frustrating exercise to try to preach to them. Amen. Oh, friend, and so I just look at everybody else. Amen. Oh, there are those that while you're preaching, y'all see this. And if you stood up here, you'd see a lot more of it. I mean, it would frighten you for about 45 minutes just stand on the pulpit and see what I see and these other preachers see and what the Sunday school teachers see. And there are some people, they sit there like this, you know, and in a little while they pick up a songbook, you know and they fumble them through it and then they got their phone out and they're looking at it, Facebook and they scroll, and you know and next thing, saying you know you can tell by the motions on the hand they stop with Facebook and now they've turned on the candy crush because it's this way you know and they're poking here and there oh, and then every once in a while they raise their head up and say amen and then they'll poke a little more they don't even know what they Amen. they may be agreeing to their own condemnation they're not even paying attention to what's going they're not teachable. Yeah. They're not pliable. You realize it's the purpose of God. Yeah. Next thing you know, they'll be talking to their neighbor. They'll be talking to this one. Yeah. They'll poke somebody real. the rim, say, "Look up, you under. Yeah. And you can see them talking to somebody. Yeah. I want them passing. I want to know if we're going to eat pizza. Yeah. Or my friend, they'll after service. Yeah. And we're not teachable a lot of times. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Yeah. And we're not teachable and we won't listen. Yeah. We're not teachable and we won't pay attention. Yeah. they are not teachable teachable when we won't hear. We're not teachable when we refuse the message. We're not teachable when we think we already know everything. You You cannot tell somebody and teach somebody anything if they already know everything. They don't need it. Already know it. I can tell when I read a verse of Scripture, this familiar passage, some folks stand up and they hold their Bible sideways like, oh, they've heard this before. That's right. Amen. I mean, they'll they'll bump up against the pew in front of them and prop like this. Bible held open that way, and they're staring off in the sky. They opened up with us to the scripture, and they stood out of reverence to the reading of the Word of God. But they're staring off in the heavens. I've heard this before. I know all all about it. I don't need to hear this. Look like we picked the wrong Sunday to come this month. Amen. May the Lord have mercy on us. Uh, and I'm not trying to be mean or difficult this morning. Uh, I'm just telling just uh, telling you the truth of where we are. Uh, when you think you already know you can't be taught. Uh, Amen. We've got to have a teachable spirit. Uh, Our condition in this present world is God wants us to be pliable. Uh, he's wanting to teach us uh, that denying ungodliness. That ain't sinners He's talking to. He's already told us in verse 11. Haven't you heard something? How his grace had called us out of darkness. How did his shine with abundance on us? He's trying to save us. God's wanting to teach the child of God some things. Oh, my friend, if he cannot teach us with instruction, he will teach us with discipline. Amen. My daddy, when I was a child, if I listened to his voice, I could avoid his belt. But if I wouldn't listen to his voice, then he would teach me with his belt. Amen. That's right. Now, look at Judges whenever Gideon came through the town. He told them, other folks in that town said, tell us, how are these kings that run and tell us this? He said, I'm going to teach you what the briars and the thorns of this land, amen. And He ripped up briars and thorns, and He whipped the people with them,
1: amen. And the Lord will either
0: teach us, because we'll listen to His voice, or He'll teach us through discipline. And my daddy used to say, Heart has made sore places, Some of us, the Lord's got to shake us to get our attention. He's got to hit us hard to get us to look up to Him. I want to be pliable. I want to be teachable. I want to enlist in what the Lord wants from me and for my life instead of being so hard-headed and stiff-necked and stubborn and to make the Lord have to try to shake me or rattle me to get my attention. I thought last night as I was preaching in the prison, some of those men have heard me preach in prison for 10 years in this same prison. Some of them have been there the whole time I've been going. It's been at least 10, I'm actually probably about 12 or 13 years. I don't know how long now. has been a long time that we've been working, and I know it's been more than 10, because, anyways, 12, 14 years I've been going to this same prison. And some of those men have been there the entire time that I've been going to this prison. And they've heard me preach. They've heard Brother Eddie preach. They've heard by the Matthew preach. They've heard by the Bob give his lessons and devotions. Brother Randy and all the other preachers in that goes with us and singers and all this, and they've, and they've heard it and they've heard it and they've heard it and they've heard it and they've heard it. And yet last night when I looked out there, some of them sitting there, it was like steel, it was making no effect on them. And I thought about what the Bible said. The word of God is a hammer. It's like a hammer. And when you take a hammer, the one two and you start to bust a rock with a hammer, one of two things can happen. If you swing that rock and hit that hammer, or sing that swing that hammer and hit that rock just right. It might just break the rock on the first round. But if it doesn't break the rock and crush it the first lick, you know what you've got to do? Swing the hammer again. And swing the hammer again. And swing the hammer again. And some of us have been so hard, have been so reluctant to hear the Word of God, have been so reluctant to accept God's will in our lives, that we always think God's always got a hammer on me. God's always just where me out. And yeah. why does He let me endure so much? Yeah. Have you ever thought if you were a little more teachable, yeah. if you'd just be a little more pliable, yeah. if you'd let God instruct you, yeah. that you might not have quite so many crushing blows yeah. uh, coming down in your life. Yeah. He wouldn't just have to hammer away at you to teach you something. Yeah. If you pray, God to give you a teachable spirit about yourself. Amen. Okay. Amen anybody know what I'm talking about this morning I can't be I already know you folks too good I can't be the only hard-headed one in the church I know you people better than that I can point you out and write your names down pound and pound and pound and pounding I tell you what happened when I first started preaching when I was a young preacher boy boy preacher just a teenager. I could preach on some things and preach on sin, and I'd watch people, and absolutely, some folks, you'd hit the first lick with the gospel handler and it'd crush them. I saw people then were a lot more tender than what they are now. I preached then like I preach now and people run to the altar and get right with God. And early on, Brother Charles, I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge, didn't know a lot, still don't know much, know a little more what to do then, but even then I, preached, I could preach 5% of what I preach in a message now. And it seemed like people would just be broken to pieces. I saw more people saved in those days. I saw more people that were tender and running to the altars. I saw the altars full of people weeping for their lost loved ones. I saw people wanting to sell out to God, serve God, live for God. And see like now, it's just like I'm swinging a hammer at an old granite stone. Yeah. And folks are so hard, it's just nothing affects them. Yeah. And nothing seems to bother them. Back then like yeah. I could read a verse of Scripture that maybe insinuated something. Yeah. That point of separation in a person's life. Yeah. And folks would run to the altar and many of them would say, alright, I'm giving this up and that up. Yeah. And I'm going to sell this out and that out and I'm going to serve God. Yeah. And now all they do, sit back there and poke the chest out. Yeah. And stick out your lips and say, you ain't taking that away from me. Yeah. And I'm not going to quit this or that. Yeah. And just because I do this don't mean I'm not a good Christian. Yeah. And does it really matter that much. Yeah. And is it going to send me to hell if I do this or that? Yeah. When all the while God's trying to teach us yeah. how by grace while we live in this present world yeah. how to refuse ungodliness yeah. and to embrace godliness. Yeah. 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 He's wanting to teach us. Teach us. Grace is teaching us. It's God's purpose for us to be teachable and pliable. I want to have a receptive heart and a ready mind. The word unreasonable is used in your King James Bibles two times. One time it's in the book of Acts in chapter 25. And in verse 27 it means irrational and brutish. Unwilling to be instructed or taught. In the second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 2, it means to be out of place, to be improper, to be injurious, or to be off course. And Paul said that being unreasonable was something to be delivered from. He said, pray for us that God would deliver us from wicked and unreasonable men. We need deliverance from being unreasonable. And God wants to teach us through His grace and I desire to be teachable. I want to hear His words and do them like the man who built his house upon a rock in Matthew chapter 7. A house that would withstand the storm winds because he would let the Lord teach him through the Word. God's condition for us in this present world is to be pliable. God's condition for us in this present world is for us to be principled. We are to live soberly, he said. He teaches us that denying ungodliness, verse 12, and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And my friend, we are to live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world, and the world may be filled with wickedness of every sort, but we are not to follow the crowd. We are not to do as others do, living to the same excess of riot, according to 1 Peter. And the child of God is not to be led about with every carnal whim. (laughs) and we do not govern our lives according to public opinion that we are to live according to godly principle in our lives. Why do you do what you do? Why do you come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, read your Bible, pray, study the Sunday school lesson? Why do you avoid certain vices and sins that you never would want to be seen doing? Is it because you wouldn't want to be seen doing? Or is it because you know it's wrong and you don't want to be doing? I mean, do you live your life simply by religious peer pressure? You don't want to be out of step with what the church expects. Or you don't want somebody to find you doing something that you know you are not to. How do you live your life according to religious peer pressure? Or do you live your life according to godly principle? Do you have any real convictions in your life? Do you have some things that if nobody else, if you're the last person left on planet earth, that you're just going to live by because God says it's right? Yeah. And if nobody ever sees and if nobody ever knows yeah. and if nobody is ever aware, I'm still going to do these things yeah. the way God said just because God said yeah. are you living by godly principle yeah. or simply following yeah. and feel the waves of public opinion? Amen. You know why there is such a thing yeah. as a church membership even available yeah. for people who live a homosexual lifestyle? Yeah. Because we are in a world yeah. where people live according to public opinion. Yeah. Who in the world would have ever thought we'd live to see a day yeah. when it would be an actual legal debate yeah. of whether or not men were allowed yeah. in the girl's bathroom yeah. because they were warped and twisted yeah. and demented enough yeah. to think they were a girl when they really a man? I'm telling you, friend, I don't care how popular this foolish law gets. I don't care how much it permeates through the media and through Hollywood and, my friend, through music and pop culture. We are to live our lives by godly principle and not according to public opinion. (laughs) Amen. Everybody else is doing so and so and so and so. Doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. What matters is what God says. Amen. 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 I don't care if the preacher. I do care. I will not change if the preacher up the road or down the road decides that they want to go a different route. I will not change. Amen. Well, Brother So and So said it was all right for us to drink their curtain shack up and buy lottery tickets. Brother So and So said it was all right for my son to wear in the arena and have his hair dyed green and always run around with about half of his head with hair on it and the other half without hair on him. And it and looked like he's a greasy old dog with a maze. Brother So and So said that was they okay. They play in the fight. What yeah. my principles yeah. are. The yeah. Congress went off sale from us. Yeah. I was an operating church, a yeah. true Baptist church. Yeah. I've not been to the Southern Baptist Convention yeah. or no other organization. Yeah. It's like that's how I operate. Yeah. Listen to what I'm preaching. Teaching us that deny ungodliness of the yes. world of we should live soberly, righteously, and godly yes. in this present world. Where in the world did you find in that if anybody else approved or not?
1: My mama don't
0: like you, preacher. All I'm going to tell you is pray for mama. Don't yes. yes. right. yes. baby me no the mama. Just pray for mama. Yes. That's your dad don't like it. Your wife, your husband don't like it. Your friends, your neighbors don't like it. Your kids don't like it. I'm not telling you to be mean or ugly that to them. I'm just saying, pray for them. How do you do what's right? I mean, listen to hey, me. When I was in kindergarten, this ain't a little complicated now. This is kindergarten stuff, friend. Really. I could tell you about being in the first grade, but I never went to the first grade. I mean, kindergarten was as far as what I got to. I skipped the first grade for the second. And when I was in kindergarten, and my teacher would so have us all stand up in the classroom and say, Everybody, say with me now, boys and girls, it's always wise right to do right. And it's always wrong to do wrong. So do right and you'll never go wrong. Amen. That's amazing how grown folks don't get that. At five years old, we got that. But it's amazing how grown folks say that sometimes it's alright to do wrong. Sometimes it's right to go the wrong way. But I you, it is never right to do wrong. And it's always right to do right. So just it won't go
1: wrong.
0: Amen. It Amen. It's not okay to lie even if it makes somebody else feel good. Yeah. Even if it gets you out of trouble. There's a time to just say nothing. But there's not a time to start telling lies. Amen. It's not okay to steal just because the person you're stealing from is not a person, it's a corporation. It's still stealing. It's not okay to skip out on paying your bills. It's just not. You think they're charging you too much for that power bill? It's unreasonable. It Cut your power off. But it ain't okay to steal. It's not okay to skip out on paying your bills and fulfilling your obligations. Is anybody still listening this morning? He's teaching us to be principled. The condition in this present where we are to be pliable, we are to be principled. Then notice, maybe this will help you some. Some of you looks like you swatted your liver. <laughs> Gallbladder's busted, and you got scales. Your eyelids look like a green with scales or something. The cheer of this present world. You realize while we're yet here, this world, I've already said it this way, this world is corrupt, it is contemptible, and it is chaotic, but yet there is cheer for the child of God to be found here. We don't belong here. We're pilgrims and strangers passing through this world. This is not our home, but yet there's still cheer for us. The child of God does not have to hold his head down and drag around like a long-faced mule. My friend, we have a reason to have cheer. Then cheer, my brother, cheer. Our trials will soon be o'er. Our loved ones we shall meet over on that golden shore. For the child of God, even in this present corrupt contemptible and chaotic world. Our cheer is not absent. Our hope and our consolation is not in the worldly things. It is not in recreation or politics or wealth or the approval of men. Our cheer is in the Lord today. Oh, praise God. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Oh, my friend, we rejoice in Him. You see, in this passage, we see the cheer of anticipation. Amen. In verse number 13, the Bible says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are looking for that blessed hope. Every true believer has one firm hope that will resolve all of our ills. And that is that Jesus is coming. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house for many mentions that were not so, I would have told you yeah. I go to prepare a place for you yeah. and if I go and you get cold, yeah. I will come again and He's coming I yeah. receive unto myself that where I am yeah. there you may be also yeah. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming yeah. That's the Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28 said yeah. So Christ was once offered yeah. to bear the sins of me yeah. and unto them that look for Him yeah. shall He appear the second time without sin yeah. and to Salvation. He that shall come will come, and we will not tarry. And for the person who is saved by grace, that does not discourage us or make us scared or worried. But I tell you to crank your tractor on a cold morning when you consider this world is not our final resting place, this world is not our home. But Jesus is coming, and we are going, and we're going to be with Him forever. Ever to be with the Lord. Yeah. I'm anticipating He could come yeah. this very day. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Cheer of anticipation. Are you anticipating Jesus coming? Yeah. Oh, I know He's coming some of these days. Are you anticipating Jesus could come any day? Amen. Jesus is coming soon. Morning, night, or noon. Amen. Hallelujah. Soon and very soon, we're going to meet the King. Amen. Hallelujah. The cheer of anticipation. In this present world, we have the cheer of the appearing. Verse number 13 said, look at that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing. The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This verse calls the appearing of Christ glorious. This word glorious means to be apparent or to be revealed. It is the bringing into public or plain view that would seem to have been hidden. Today in this present world, the child of God has seen the light. But there will come a day when every God-denier, every atheist, every game-same, doubt-peddling, church-hating zealot will realize that Jesus Christ truly is Lord. The glory of God the Father, and it will be revealed to all. One of these days, every eye shall see him, even they that pierce him. And that which we have believed that the world called a secret, or that the world said was veiled, the veil will be torn back, and Christ will be revealed as Lord to the glory of God the Father. The glory of superior. Then notice the cheer the anticipation and appearing, but notice the cheer of the activity. While we're in this present world, you know what's happening? Bible said in verse 14, Who gave Himself for us, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. We are encouraged because Jesus paid the price. He gave Himself for us. He gave that which was needed and paid it in full. for us to become like Him. I love Him because He first loved me. And because He loved me, my Savior, died. Yeah. On the cross was crucified. Yeah. The cheer of the activity. Yeah. When I survey the wondrous cross yeah. upon which the Prince of Glory died, yeah. all the world I count yeah. has lost. Yeah. Under my friend, poor contempt yeah. on all my pride. Yeah. I tell you, my hope is built on nothing less than yeah. Jesus' blood and righteousness. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Yeah. A cheer is brought in my heart. My hope is yeah in the blood of Jesus today the cheer of the activity he saved me and today he's making me like him I'm closing with this this morning the congregation of the present world the congregation of the present world five times in these verses the writer uses the plural pronouns us, we and our all of them means more than one y'all know that don't you Preachers don't seem to know that y'all ever noticed that. They taught us this. Old-fashioned preachers taught us this, and they'll say, "We're glad to be here today. We appreciate the Lord and all of His goodness towards us. And if the Lord will help us, we'll preach for you here in just a minute." And uh, that's what they'd say. And uh, when I was a kid, I'd look around and think, "Well, who else is up there behind besides him?" You know, I'd look around and wouldn't be nobody up there. He got somebody in his pocket or something. I mean. But what they taught, of course, was that we, you don't ever say I because it sounded prideful. fact of the matter, when he says these words, hear us, we, and our, it's not just so he'll sound humble. It's because there's more than just Him involved. When Paul says us, we, and our in these verses, he's talking about a very specific group of people more than just himself. He doesn't just speak about what I'm looking forward. It's not just me and mine. But he says us, we, and our because there is a congregation of people. I want you to know something this morning. We may not be the majority. I'm talking about saved people. I'm talking about the blood washed band. We may not be the majority. Jesus told us to be that way. The crowd would go the Broadway. The few that be that go in the narrow way. Amen. And Jesus told us to be that way. But I do want you to know this: even though we may not be the majority, we are not alone. We are not by ourselves. I'm telling you, there is a congregation in this present world. There's a church. There's a called out assembly in this present world. Everybody has not bowed their knee to Baal. Everybody has not gone the way of wicked, wanton sin. Everybody has not become corrupt and evil. There's still a remnant of those who love God, who want to serve God, who want to live for God, who will pray for you that you might do the same. Thank him today. Woo! Oh, bless his name. I knew the world despised him, so I thought would never be Oh, praise God. I'd lose my race. If I joined that noisy crew that I heard in tones of thunder, you must surely go their way. I'm not ashamed on it. I am one of them today. I'm glad I'm in the number this morning. I'm glad I'm in the congregation. I'm glad to be a part of the church. They're called an assembly of God. Woo! Hallelujah. I thought after preaching back the back last night and driving about six hours, I wouldn't have strength to preach this morning. But right now, I'm feeling like one o'clock's not outside the realms of possibilities. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. The congregation of this present world, I don't let that scare you. I gotta quit. The body'll call out at me in a minute. There's a called-out body of believers that abides in this present world. We're scattered here and there now. We're often identified by denomination or some other label. We are now an imperfect group. That we're going to be a perfectly unified body in heaven one day. And while we're yet here in this present world, we are to be His body, His church, His congregation. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say. one while we're here in this present world, this congregation is the purchase of God. Amen. He's already bought us. Verse 14, He gave Himself for us that He might redeem us. How you realize this word redeem means to ransom? It means to pay off. It means to purchase for the sake of setting free from bondage. We have been bought for the price. He's purchased us with His own blood. We are the purchase. Amen. And bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. We're the purchased. I want to say we are the purified. He said after God done redeeming them, He said from all iniquity, and purify unto Himself. The Savior's purpose is to purify, to purge, and to put away our sin. We are the purified and the purchased. And then our text says, we are the peculiar. Amen. I ought to have got a lot of good amens on that. You know in this crowd, Around him, we're uh, we are the peculiar, uh, uh, peculiar people, uh, zealous of good words. Uh, we're not to be like the world. We're not to fit in. We don't belong. Uh, our citizenship's in heaven, and uh, we can't be deeply invested in this foreign country where we dwell. We seek a city whose builder and maker is God. We believe the impossible. Uh, amen. That's right. Uh, we see the invisible uh, uh, by the eyes faith. We take God's Word at His Word. We believe in a land that we've not seen yet. We still call it home. And the world calls that peculiar. But I call it the joy of being a child of God. I'm saying we are called out people. Congregation. Peculiar. Purchased. Purified. This congregation is a passionate group. Don't like him loud churches. Don't like him people so dogmatic and so zealous. I hope the Lord keeps teaching you some things then. Because Amen. Amen. the Bible said His purpose at the end of verse number 14 was to purify to Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. That word zealous means passionate. <laughs> oh, that word zeal literally comes from an underlying root, a word in the Greek that means to build a fire or to rise up with heat. Oh, friend, we ought to be passionate. We ought to get hot and bothered about the shape of our world. We ought to have a burning love for the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to be passionate about good works. Yeah. Then verse number 15 says in this congregation, I couldn't leave this verse out. In this congregation, they're supposed to be a preacher. Verse 15 said, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Titus, when you preach what God tells you to preach, do not make apologies for any of that. Do it with authority. And let no man despise thee. Don't let them hold you accountable for having fibbed to them or deceived them. Just tell them the truth. Be bold. The preacher. I'm not much of a preacher, but I want to be the kind of preacher that ain't scared to preach. And the preaching that I might do might not always be the best preaching, but I don't want it to be scared preaching. I don't ever want to be mean, but I don't ever want to be scared either. Preach with authority. Exhort, that is to light a fire under them to do good works. That's what we're trying to do today. We'd better tell it while we can in this present world. Someday the last altar call will be given. The last sermon will have been preached. The last opportunity will be passed. And it'll be too late then to tell the story of Jesus. It'll be too late to tell about God's amazing grace. We must tell it while we can and preach it while we are in this present world. Amen. Amen. In this present world. I'm finished preaching if you'll come with a song. I want to say something to you in a conclusion here this morning. If you don't know God, if you will ever be saved, live for God, or do anything for eternity, it will have to be done now in this present world. Ecclesiastes 11 and 3 said, In the place where the tree falleth, there shall it be. Our opportunities are limited. There is no changing it after this present world is done. Many will stand before the Lord on the judgment bar with regret. Others will stand there and plead their case. Have we not cast out devils? Have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I've never knew you. Others will look back at burned works and weep with a broken heart for bypassed opportunities. Our days to do something about that are in this present world. Today is the day to start, and now is the time to turn your life over to Jesus. If you don't know what it is to be saved by the grace of God, to have your sins forgiven, to be washed white as snow, today's the day of salvation. Tomorrow might be too late. If you're living your life haphazardly and half-heartedly for God, now is the time to sell out and go all the way with God. If you're dibble-dabbling around in sin and hobnobbing with the devil's crowd and you think everything's going to be alright it really doesn't matter what you do, today's the day to turn from your wicked ways, repent of your sins, and kneel down and ask God to be real in your life every day. Amen. If you've been carelessly floating along, about half-hearted in your service to God, the church, and in half-hearted in your service to the Bible, today's a day to commit your life unto the Lord every day of it for his purpose. While we're in this present world, there's coming a time. Looking back there at Brother John and Brother Tom sitting right beside one another. Brother John's hair is all gray, and Brother Tom's beard's all gray. And uh, together they might have, I mean, Brother John, I don't know what color his beard is, it's all gone. But if his beard is dark, he can put it on Brother Tom, we just have no gray look young again. Time ain't coming where that's going to happen. Every day we're getting closer to the end. There, come, there was a time, Brother John, when you and I were teenage boys. Just puddling along trying to figure out what to do in life. Times may change. Some of y'all can think about how it just seemed like an eyelash at time. Just yesterday, when your life was totally different. Yesterday, when you were the age that your children are now. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to turn around twice more, and you're going to be the age where your parents are now. And when you look back on your life, when you're going to say, I'm so thankful I did something for God. Or you're going to look back and say, I wasted the one life I had. And the one opportunity I had to serve the Lord, I squandered it, chasing after things in this present life. Everybody's saying, I want to this morning, do you need to pray? Has the Lord dealt with your heart about anything? Would you be obedient to the Lord? Would you let God work in your life? If you need to pray, I'd encourage you this morning to seek the face of God. I'd encourage you to come and talk to the Lord. Sing for us when you're ready, sister. If you need to pray, let me exhort you to come and to do business with God. If you're lost, would you come? If you're out of the will of God, would you come? If you're serving God with less fervency than you should, would you come? How about it, friend? Are you really where you ought to be with God? Is there something, anything between you and the Lord? Are you living in any way haphazardly or half-heartedly? Oh my. Are you willing to serve the Lord with a whole heart? Are you willing to sell out and give it all to God? Sinner, friend, are you willing to turn against yourself and turn to Jesus? And ask. Him to save you from who you are, from what you've done, to make you clean and right in the sight of God? Would you ask the Lord to do for you what you cannot do for yourself? Would you be teachable, pliable, principled? Would you seek after the instruction and wisdom of the Lord this morning? Mom and dad, would you seek after his instruction in how to parent your children? How to lead your home? Uh Sir, ma'am, would you seek God's purpose for your life? His grace has shined into your life. He's done so to teach you some things, to draw you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we have no need to be ashamed that it's coming. What about it, friend, in your life? If you blinked your eyes today, when you closed the music in this world and when you opened them, you were standing before God giving an account for your life, would you be satisfied to meet the Lord exactly as you are right now? Are you pleased to meet God as you stand here this morning in this meeting? Do you care enough about it to do something about it this morning? Will you go with Him all the way? Do you want enough grace to be saved, or do you want enough grace to be saved, sanctified, separated, and Spirit-filled? just looking to escape hell, or do you want God to do something with your life? He wants to teach us some things. He wants to work some things in our lives. He wants to receive all the glory from us. God, help us to be pliable in principle. World. I'll go with him. I must mention one more thing and I'll close the service. Jesus is met for a prayer meeting, and I think it's the book of Luke. And Jesus' mother and his brothers come to the prayer meeting. And they wouldn't come inside. They were a little frustrated because some things Jesus had said about a politician had upset them. And they thought Jesus had maybe gone a little too far in being so open and being so bold. And they sent word into the prayer meeting and told Him to come out there with them. And Jesus looked around and He said, Who is my mother and my brothers? and my sisters. It's these that do the will of my Father. And He said, I'm not stopping what I'm doing in here to go out there with them. You know what you're going to have to do in your life you're going to go live for God? Get that same principle about yourself. That I'm not going to stop what I'm doing right here where God wants me in order to run with that crowd even if they're kinfolks who simply want to criticize and nitpick. You've got to get it, friend. If you're going to survive living for God and really sell out, you've got to get that. Because if you thought everybody was going to be pleased with it, you were badly mistaken. But you know what ultimately matters? It's for the Lord to be pleased. And one day, hear Him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. I hope you've obeyed the Lord. I've tried to this morning. I've tried to obey God. Remember the meeting tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll pray before the service this evening. Pray about the prayer meeting on Wednesday night, Bible study. Blessing to be in the house of the Lord. I'll tell you what, finishing up with that congregation at the last point of this thing. I think it'd be good to have a handshaking and maybe some handshaking music. Why don't you? Can you just play off the curve? What a thrill that I feel when I get, maybe sing a verse or so when I get together with God's wonderful people. Uh, all right, take some time to finish.